Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. Welcome back to the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider over at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. We are just a week away from the start of college basketball season. Couldn't be more excited. Also very excited about today's podcast. Today's featured guest is St. John's head coach and former NBA player, five-time NBA All-Star, Chris Mullen. And Mullen and I had a great conversation where we discussed his greatest basketball achievements, the coaches that have influenced him the most. Then we broke down his current team, talked about Shamori Pons, Mustafa Heron. Before we get to that conversation, I want to make sure that you are subscribed and supporting the Sidelines Podcast. The best way to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me, but also leave a rating, leave a review. Those things are extremely helpful. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. Now let's jump to that conversation with St. John's head coach, Chris Mullen. It's time to go man to man with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in St. John's head coach, Chris Mullen, to the sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. Chris, how you doing? How's life? Doing great, Evan. How about yourself? I am doing really well, excited about basketball season, which is gearing up. We're about a week away, and I want to get to your team here in a minute, but I wanted to start off with a couple questions just about your playing career, and your list of accolades are impressive. Final Four, gold medals, five-time NBA All-Star. I'm curious from your standpoint, what do you consider your greatest basketball achievement to this point? The two things that stick out, Evan, are my, my two Olympic experiences. In 1984, as a college player, I played on a, a great uh, Olympic team coached by Bobby Knight, and then I was fortunate enough to play on the 1992 Dream Team. Those are the two my two favorite experiences in basketball because it kind of superseded, you know, college, NBA. It's just a unique experience to get to represent your country. So those, those are my two favorite uh, basketball experiences. How was it at that time getting coached by guys like Bobby Knight and kind of being around, you know, players of that caliber when you were so young? It was great, Evan. You know, at that point in time, I just finished my junior year in college, an extensive and, you know, long tryout process. So it was it was really intense. And yeah, so we got to play with Patrick and, and Michael Jordan, Patrick Ewing, Wayman Tisdale, just, just a great team, worked really hard. And the, the thing that sticks out about both the, the Olympic teams I played on is in a short amount of time, they became teams. They weren't just a collection of talent. We became really close. I thought I thought both teams played really well and unselfish together. So it's fun when you get together just for a summer and you can really form form a team and, and, and a, a bond that really lasts forever. Was there any particular reason for that, or was it just a collective unit of, of winners that had one goal in mind? I guess. Yeah, I think Evan, when you when you put together a team, you know, everyone talks about chemistry. It's hard to really kind of see how that why that happens and why it doesn't happen. But when it is there, I'd say it's usually the collection of not so much the talent, but the character of the people that are on a team. And both of those teams, you know, in my mind anyway, had, had great character and, like I said, played really unselfishly and was a joy to be around every day. I think a lot of the players that, that you recruit, players that you've coached, you know, I don't know that they know how good of a player you were. I mean, you scored nearly 18,000 points in your NBA career. I guess from your standpoint uh, from your eyes what made you such a dynamic player on the court oh uh, well I had my, my skill 
of shooting opened up a lot of opportunities for me. It covered my, in a lot of areas, lack of uh, athleticism. When you can really shoot the ball, it opens up. You know, if you're not that quick, it makes you a little bit quicker. And really, my the biggest thing, uh, looking back for me, was I was coached really well at a young age. I was taught to play a team game, you know, just by playing in New York City, you know, learning about angles. And, and you know, I, I think also playing without a shot clock, or without a three-point line, where the emphasis when I was growing up was really getting good shots, getting the shot that you want to take and, and working to get open and different things like that. And like I said, you learn angles. And so the way I, I, I put a lot of, I give a lot of credit to the people that coached me when I was young. As a player in the league, you built this reputation of having a, an elite work ethic. How did you go about developing that? I guess, where, where did that mentality kind of come from? It started at a young age. Uh, Jack Alisi was a guy that coached me in grade school through high school. And he really was the first guy to put me in a gym by myself, give me some drills to work on, and I enjoyed it. So, you know, work ethic and discipline a lot of times have somewhat negative connotations to them where you're kind of grinding and, and you're doing this hard work. I always enjoy being in the gym. So I was really never looking at the clock, worried about how long I was in there. I was enjoying what I was doing. Yes, yeah, so I just kind of used to, you know, put my practice plan together, my workouts together, things I need to get better at and you know, enjoy doing it. So that, I think that's a big factor in people's success, having passion for what you're doing, but also being able to enjoy what you're doing through you know, ups and downs and, and just really focus on, you know, I always felt like, man, I'm, I'm out here playing basketball for a living. What, what could be better than this? Right. Uh, even, even when it got tough, even when you know, I was in a lot of different losing situations, I always kept things in perspective, exactly what I was doing, playing basketball for a living. I was, I was in good shape. From kind of talking to people that were around the league when, when you were in it, your, your pregame workouts are somewhat legendary, and, and people said you were a big believer in routine. Uh, can you kind of walk me through what those pregame warm-ups looked like and, and kind of how you came up with them? Yeah, they would vary, Evan, as, as my career uh, progressed. Um, I really found a really good routine with the, my conditioning coach, Mark Grabo, who helped me train in the offseason to prepare for, for the season. But I would, t- I would always try and warm up and practice at game speed. I would not be out there just to be out there. You know? So if I was going to be out there for 20, 25 minutes, I wanted to really focus on what I was going to do in the game. So my pregame warm-up was really shots I was going to be taking during that game just to get my body warm. As my career progressed, I used to use my pregame as a workout. As my as my minutes diminished, I would really go out there really early and really get a full workout, knowing I wasn't going to play a whole lot, but also with, with the mindset if someone got hurt or if I was called upon, that I would be sharp enough to play, play at a you know, level I, I wanted to play at. So, again, you make adjustments as your career progresses. But, again, it was always about staying sharp in that moment in time if you got in the game that you were going to be able to perform and help your team out. Obviously, with your background and, you know, success, at that level. Have you kind of mentioned the, the pregame preparation? How much have you talked to your players about that type of mentality and, and, and just being prepared in, in pregame and, and doing everything in game speed? Yeah, that's what we do each day in practice. You know, it's something you can talk about, but it's more important that you do it. So right. the way we the way we have our daily routine set up is like that. And then as I think what you see is guys mature, they find their own little routines, which I always tell them that everyone's going to be a little bit different, but you have to find what works for you to get yourself prepared for practice and getting yourself prepared for games. We have our, you know, our standard operating procedure on game day and practice day. And there's also little wrinkles that each guy has to do, whether it be getting their body ready, getting their minds ready. And that's something I think it's, it's a trial and error. 
and you know athletes in general you talked about you know habits and routines there's also a little bit you know superstition to that so something that works that's what guys stick to and, and sometimes that takes a little while to figure out what that is but all, all the guys I played with I've had certain things that I used to do each and every day like I said on practice days and game days and it becomes something uh, of, a, of a comfort the comfort zone too that you just this is what I do to get ready and we go out and play of course now because of your career in college and in the NBA and with the U.S. Olympic teams you've been fortunate enough to be around some terrific basketball minds which coach that you were around as a player has influenced you the most as a coach well two really so coach Karnaseka who coached me here at St. John's and obviously I played for him for four years but I've known him since I was 10 years old so he's had a huge impact on my life and also on how I was taught the game and how I see the game. So I, I always use a lot of his, his teachings, his outlook, both on and off the court. So he's had a huge influence from a strictly a style of play, kind of skill development, and how I see the game. Don Nelson had a huge impact, not, on, not just on me, I think on basketball in general. And I, when, I, when I talked earlier about having fun while you were playing, I think Don Nelson was the, one of the guys that really, I really enjoyed playing for. I enjoyed practicing. Uh, his practices were fun. They, they were tough, but they were fun. They were creative. And you did a lot of work kind of without knowing it because you were enjoying yourself. So I try and really use a lot of Nelly's techniques when I put my practices together. And I think it's important, like I said earlier, to, to really enjoy what you're doing. Of course, you gotta, you got to focus in on, on, on improving and getting better. But I do think it's really important that you enjoy while you're doing it. You, you mentioned Don Nelson. and He was honestly a little ahead of his time in terms of you know, the small ball type of basketball. How much of, of that specifically have you uh, integrated for your team? A lot, Evan. Um, yeah, Nelly was, was way ahead of his time playing small lineups, playing uh, point forwards, inverting guards and, and big guys across the court, uh, switching pick and rolls, a lot of, so, so many different things that he put into the game of basketball are used now. I actually think a lot of it came even before Nelly, when Nelly was a player for the Celtics, you know, playing for Red Auerbach. Uh, they, were, they were known for their fast break um, and mostly with the pass, not, not dribbling and holding the ball and then really being active you know, moving bodies and moving the ball. So, yeah, a lot of that stuff that, that Nelly taught us, I find myself, much like I said with Coach Conasek, I find myself repeating uh, when I see, you know, a specific play. Or, you know, one thing is you always have to adapt. So a lot of things that, that we did in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, there's very similar looks, but now maybe you're moving things up beyond the three-point line where they used to be down, you know, in below. Right. Uh, it was a big emphasis back then on, on drawing fouls and playing inside the three-point line. So now the, the difference is everything's outside the three-point line, spacing the floor. But just, just a different wrinkle to it, but, but the fundamental philosophy is the same. You're starting your fourth year as a head coach at St. John's. What's been the most challenging aspect of this job so far? Well, you know, I started, I was, what, 52, 53 years, years old, so I had a lot of different experiences in basketball. One I hadn't had was being a head coach. But all those other experiences have helped right. with that adjustment. So as far as, you know, putting together practice, coaches meeting, all, all these different things I've been involved in. So I, I can't really say anything was, was overwhelming. And, and then as far as winning and losing, that, that, that's been my whole life is winning and losing. And, and look, there's a process to getting to the top. I respect that process. I know it takes time. Although no one else, you know, in this day and age in society, it's, you know, I know I understand the – 
the lack of patience there. But I, I never disrespect or underestimate what it takes to put together a team and what it, what it takes to be good. It does take time. If it was something you could do overnight or hit on your cell phone and hit send, <laughs> everyone would be doing it. <laughs> your team heading into this season is arguably the most talented team that you've had. What's been your biggest focal point with this group in the offseason and, and preparing for games that start next week? Yeah, so it's definitely the most talent we've had. And we've, you know, each and every year gotten a little bit better in that department and, and also gotten a little bit better in, in the win column. So it's been a natural progression. This year's team, the, the biggest thing, we have experience. We have good players and we have experienced players. So I think that's going to, you know, pay dividends for us. I think we're going to have a, a very explosive offensive team. I think we've got interchangeable parts where we can play a small lineup. I think that we'll be able to rebound. And when you do that, when you put multiple scorers out there, you have to share the ball, right? So a big focus and, and, and uh, increased possession. So we've really been focusing on our defense, trying to force turnovers and get those possessions up so we can let, let all our scorers get a, get a piece of the pie. So that's offensively, it's simple too, that we talked about earlier, is moving the ball, setting screens, you know, being a threat without the ball is really important when you have multiple scorers out there. And then defensively, you know, we'll be able to put, up, put out a lineup where we can switch most ball screens. Last year, we were a very good defensive team. We were a bad defensive rebounding team. So that's really has been a big focus of our, of our preseason is, is really being solid again defensively, but then finishing that possession off with a rebound. You mentioned scoring before you were talking about defense, and, and that's something that Shamori Pons has done a tremendous job of, 21 points a game last year. In what ways do you think he's improved heading into to this season? When, when I talked to him at Big East Media Day, he mentioned his leadership, but maybe more on the court. Like, is there anything that he really spent the offseason really working on? Yeah, so, yeah, so Shamari mentioned his leadership. I think he, he's gotten a little bit stronger. I think he's got himself in a little bit better shape. But all those things have a natural maturation. Right. right? Something, something he didn't have two years ago, which he shouldn't have had two years ago. From a strictly basketball standpoint, you know, Shamari, I think, like you said, he's, he's a gifted scorer. He's had two of the greatest seasons of any, you know, two-year player here at St. John's. And historically, he's been some great, great players. He's, he's one of the best. Um, I think this year it's going to be important for him and for us that he becomes more of an efficient player. I talked a little bit earlier about, you know, learning the game without the three-point line and without the shot clock where, you know, shot selection becomes, back then, was, was a huge factor. If you didn't take the shot you wanted, the defense won. So... I think Shamari's efficiency will go up with better players around him. He also averaged five assists with those 21 points, and he's a really good rebounder. So he's got an all-around game. Uh, the focal point was on his scoring. I think this year you'll see a more efficient Shamari Pons, and I think his playmaking ability will really flourish. Obviously getting Mustafa Heron eligible for this season was a big deal for you guys. This is a kid that averaged 16.5 points, over five rebounds. Uh, he, he just brings a lot to the table, whether it be scoring or toughness. What was kind of your reaction when you got the official word that he was going to be eligible, and, and how has he kind of meshed with your guys in practice? Yeah, we were very grateful that the NCAA ruled him eligible immediately. Uh, I think it's great for Mustafa and his family. So we were happy about that, happy for him. And then Mustafa, uh, he's been, he's been a, a guy you can just plug right in. He's a very mature young man, physically and emotionally, very confident. He's got a good feel, very comfortable with his own skin. He's got, he's got a great routine. We talked about that early. He's got a very professional approach to his practice, and his routines are, are right on point. 
and he, he fit he fit in seamlessly. You know, he actually played a lot of you know AU basketball around the city, so I think he and Shamari were very familiar with each other. Um, you know, these kids these days, and you probably know better than me, Evan. They get to know each other more so than you know than years past, whether it be social media or playing on on multiple circuits. So he's been a, he's been a great addition. And he's he's one of our leaders, and I look for him to have another great. He's had two great years of college basketball, played on great teams, and knows what it's like to play with other talented players. So he's been a great addition. When you throw Mustafa and mix him with with Pons and and Justin Simon, those three guys are all very different, but they all bring so much to the table. Whether it be the the scoring and toughness of Mustafa, the the scoring and playmaking of Shamari and the defensive abilities of Justin and his ability to play in ball screens. I mean, you, you could make a case that, that you have as good a perimeter with those three guys as anyone in the country. Yeah, and, and you talked earlier about Evan about, about chemistry, right? So chemistry, yeah, obviously you want to get along with your, with your teammates and, and feel comfortable with them and, you know, different things like that. But I always felt like when you, when you have a blend of talents, that, that can also develop chemistry. So when you need your teammate. Liking him is one thing. When you need him, you rely on him, and he's there for you. So, yeah, so the, those blend of talents where we can have them rely on each other, switch on defense, and, you know, make, make, and they understand it's important that they, that they do the little details. You know, if, if Shamari's, you know, asked to set a screen, it's important that he sets a screen and get Mustafa open. That's, that, that's his job on that possession. Uh, so I think when you have guys that you can interchange offensive and defensively, it, it, it kind of naturally develops a chemistry and a, and a responsibility and accountability for each other, which I think in turn, you know, helps your team develop. How do you handle or your team handle the, the kind of growing expectations? Obviously, you, you said this is the, by far the most talented group you've had. Um, I mean, I, I would imagine the expectations within the program are higher. How, how do you handle that with the guys? Well, it's it's welcomed, yep. you know, so... We've, as we added talent, you know, we started pretty much from scratch, right? So it's actually, I think, going to be nice to walk into a few games favored. You know, no one likes to be going into games, you know. Walking in with, with the most talent on the floor heading in. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a pretty nice feeling. After, after three years of totally being the opposite, I welcome that. You know, we have a great history here. We, you know, people have maybe short memories. This is one of the story programs of all time in college basketball. So... My expectations have always has always been to win, win big, but there's a process to that. We talked about that earlier. Respect what it takes to be good. You just don't walk out there. And anyone that's won on any level understands that. It's much like, you know, we talked about chemistry and teams. Those things take time. You just don't take five guys because we've seen it over and over. You can take the five best players. It's not necessarily going to win. So those things take time. Like I said, it's been a natural progression to this point. And yeah, I, I feel good that there's expectations that we're good. I like that. I don't like the expectations that you walk in a gym and, and you're supposed to be outmatched. That's not a great feeling. It doesn't mean you give up. You probably fight harder and you have to do everything. But I welcome those expectations. That's the expectations I've always had, no matter where I've been. <laughs> so uh, to me, it's welcome. The last thing before I let you go, Coach, and this is completely different gears, but because of your background, I wanted to ask you. The NBA came out and said that they're going to start offering $125,000 for elite high school players to play in the G League. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, if you think that affects the college game at all. And obviously with your history as a player and in front offices, you know a lot about that space. What, uh, what were kind of your thoughts when you heard about it and uh, how you think it will be executed? I think it's a step closer to – going back to having kids 
come out of high school. That's already been done. So it's not it's not going to be a new thing. It's going to be going back to something right. that had already, had already existed. I think that's probably the way to go. I, when I was a GM, I drafted high school kids. When I played for the Pacers, we we brought in I think three years in a row kids out of high school. Al, Har- Al Harrington, Jonathan Bender. Um, I drafted Monte Ellis out of high school. So the NBA has put those programs in place to make that adjustment. And look, I, you can't really put rules in place to prevent you know people from making bad decisions. And and look, sometimes you make a sound decision and it doesn't work out, right? So I think that's a step closer, like I said, going back to where kids can come out of high school, whenever that is, you know, 2022, whatever, whatever they're saying it is. I think that's the right thing to do. And as far as the G League raising their set, it gives the kid another avenue to pursue what he wants. You know, college is not for everybody. Not every kid matriculates the same way. Uh, and some kids are not made for school. And that, that sometimes that's hard to hear. I think it's true. You know, not every kid tests the same way. <laughs> right. So I think having having different avenues for kids to pursue. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm really. I think they need their their education, um, but also education comes in a lot of different ways. Of course, well, I completely agree. Well, Chris, I, I really appreciate your time. I know you're busy, especially with the season gearing up. And uh, good luck this year. And appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Hi, this is Chris Mullen, and you're listening to The Sidelines with Evan Daniels. Before the show moves along, I wanted to let you know that this episode of The Sidelines is brought to you by Lightstream. If you're like most of us, you have a balance on your credit cards and a higher interest rate than you'd like. But there's a solution, and that solution is Lightstream. Listen, I can tell you that Lightstream works. Why? Because Lightstream believes consumers who have established good credit have earned the right to a simple loan process with great rates and no fees. You know what else Lightstream has? Is reliability. When I look at potential college prospects, I look for signs that this prospect is reliable. With Lightstream, you have the peace of mind because they are a division of SunTrust Bank, one of the nation's largest financial institutions. Lightstream offers credit card consolidation loans from 6.14% APR with AutoPay. And get this, my listeners can save even more with an additional interest rate discount on top of Lightstream's already low rates. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash sidelines. L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash sidelines. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.50% AutoPay discount terms and conditions of Apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash sidelines for more information. We'd like to once again thank St. John's head coach Chris Mullen for taking the time out and jumping on the sidelines podcast. Enjoyed that conversation. Now I want to transition to a preview of the Big East Conference. And I spent a day last week at the Big East Media Day, which was held at Madison Square Garden in New York. and had the opportunity to talk to coaches in the league and, and some of the best players in the league. And I wanted to give you my breakdown, who I think is the preseason favorite to win the league. A couple sleeper teams, my big East player of the year, my all big East team, my coach of the year, and my preseason freshman of the year. I want to start with my pick to win the league, and I'm going to go with Villanova. This is a team that's won the league four of the last five years, finished just a game behind Xavier last year, obviously went on to win their second national championship of the last three years. And this Villanova team has a different makeup than last year's group. Uh, Obviously, last year's group was extremely talented. A number of guys uh, went high in the NBA draft. But this is a different team. 
team. And I had an opportunity to really get some insight from a, a couple of of members in that program. And one of the things that came back to me was their depth. And that's something that they're very excited about. And I see it. I, I think this is a deep team. It's also a team with senior leadership. And I think that's really a, a sticking point. Eric Pascal, who transferred in, is going to have a bigger role this year. And I think he has a chance to excel in that role. This is a tough, physical, strong, uh, versatile forward that, that can rebound, that defends, uh, that can score in a variety of ways. I, I think he's due to have a really big year. And honestly, I think you could make a case that Eric Pascal could be the Big East player of the year. And another senior that I think is primed for a, a really good season is Phil Booth. Uh, this is a guy that uh, has struggled at different points in his career with injuries, uh, but he's healthy. Um, obviously, he was playing next to guys like Jalen Brunson and Dante DiVincenzo last season, uh, but I think Phil Booth uh, is a guy that we're going to see break out. I, I think he's going to put up big numbers for the Villanova basketball team. You can obviously use him in a variety of ways, whether that be off the ball or on it. Uh, he's obviously a very good shooter, uh, a good distributor, high IQ, a good defender. So I think Eric Pascal and Phil Booth are going to have really big years for Villanova, but I think guy that, that's going to be really helpful for them is Albany transfer Joe Cremo. And the reason I think he can be a big help to them is he brings an elite skill to the table. And I'm referring to his ability to shoot the basketball. Last year at Albany, he made 76 three-pointers. He shot it at a 46% clip from behind the three-point stripe. That is absurd. Average nearly 18 points a game. So he brings shooting to the table. This was one of the best graduate transfers in the entire country had his pick of where to go to school, and he went with Villanova. So there's some senior leadership between those three. And then I think you add in a freshman core that's really going to help them. Javon Quinterly uh, is a five-star recruit, a guy uh, that really blends an ability to distribute and an ability to score, and that's what he brings to the table. He can do both of those things. He's a high IQ player. He's a very good passer with a good vision. He can drive the ball and finish with floaters. He can step out in three-point stripe and make jump shots. I think he is a dynamic playmaker, and with Jalen Brunson gone to the NBA, I think Javon Quinterly steps right in, and obviously he can't fill the Jalen Brunson shoes right away, but I think he's going to do a good job for them. And then there's Brandon Slater, another freshman, and Cole Swider, who I think can really help them. Slater, a 6'6", long gangly wing, a good athlete. I think he's going to be a good defender and has some versatility on offense. And then Cole Swider is that 3-4 combo forward guy that can really stretch the floor with his jump shot and has impressive skills. So uh, I really like the, the, the depth of this team, the senior leadership, and then a really good freshman core uh, that's really going to help them this year. So Villanova is my preseason pick to win the Big East Conference. The team that I had at number two is Marquette, and I think that they're uh, a sleeper nationally. I think this is a team that is very deep in their exhibition game this week against Carroll. They played nine guys with 15 minutes or more in that exhibition game. So it's a deep team. It's full of offensive weapons. It starts with Marcus Howard, a guy that uh, obviously can really shoot the basketball. Shot it at a 40% clip from the three-point line last year as a freshman, over 50%, which is absurd. He's nearly hit 200 three-pointers in two years of college basketball. So Marcus Howard brings, obviously, offensive to the table. But I think he's far from the only op offensive weapon they have. Sam Hauser is 
a guy that, that can make shots and uh, is skilled. Um, they, they've got two freshmen that I really like. I think Brendan Bailey is being slept on uh, nationally as well. This is a guy that, honestly, not a lot of people know about because he was on a Mormon mission the past two years. This is a former top 100 recruit, a big wing, six foot six, maybe six seven. He can score the basketball. He actually started in their exhibition game earlier this week. I think Brennan Bailey is going to be a key piece to the Marquette puzzle, and he's a guy that not many people are talking about. And the other freshman, Joey Hauser, uh, he's the brother of Sam Hauser, and he's a, a top 40 prospect, uh, a guy that can score the ball. He's versatile. He can play the three or the four. He'll rebound. He's a high IQ player. When I was talking to Steve Wojciechowski, at the Big East Media Day, he said he would put his two freshmen, Brendan Bailey and Joey Hauser, up against any freshman duo in the country. That's high praise. I like Marquette to finish second in this league. Two sleeper teams. I think St. John's, obviously, I was just talking to Chris Mullen uh, about their big three on the perimeter, and I'm referring to Shamori Pons, Mustafa Heron, Justin Simon. I love the, the, the makeup of that group. You've obviously got Pons, who's a terrific scorer and playmaker off the dribble quick. Then you've got Mustafa Heron, who does it a different way he can really score the basketball he's tough he's physical he rebounds and then you've got this Swiss Army knife and Justin Simon that just impacts the game in so many different ways he's an elite defender this is a guy that that uh, is very effective uh, coming off screens with the ball in his hands he's got good vision he can pass uh, those three uh, are really good players that's a terrific perimeter for St. John's uh, I think this is a sleeper team in the Big East and then there's Providence and uh, I spoke to Ed Cooley at Big East Media Day and he raved about his freshmen David Duke A.J. Reeves Jimmy Nichols uh, this is a guy that wasn't ranked in the top 100, but Ed Cooley thinks he has a really bright future. He said this kid is underrated. He's that 6'7", 3'4", long athlete, and Ed Cooley thinks he's going to have a really good year at Providence. And then there's A.J. Reeves, who he compared to a young Paul Pierce. This is a guy that can really score the basketball. He defends his position. So some really good freshmen on that Providence group uh, to go with with returners like Makai Ashton Langford and a guy in Alpha Diallo. Uh, who was named to the preseason All-Big East team by the coaches. Uh, He's versatile and can really impact the game in a variety of ways. So uh, I like those two teams as well. My Big East Player of the Year selection for the preseason is Shamori Pons. Averaged 21 points a game last year. Uh, I was just talking about him. I love his ability to score. Uh, He's quick. He knows how to create separation off the bounce. Uh, And he can score that basketball in a variety of ways, whether it be at the rim, pulling up. I think he'll want to improve on his three-point percentage from last year, but he can obviously make shots as well. I spoke to him at Big East Media Day, and he told me that the biggest difference from him last year to this year is his leadership. He said he's really focused on being a leader uh, and really stepping up and, and helping that team in a leadership role. My all-Big East team to go with Shamori Pons is Villanova's Eric Pascal, Marquette's Marcus Howard, Georgetown's Jesse Govan, and Seton Hall's Miles Powell. My preseason coach of the year is Marquette Steve Wojciechowski. I think he gets Marquette back to the tournament this season. Was just talking about it. I like the depth. I like their offensive potential. They can obviously really shoot the basketball. Uh, Last year, people harped on their defense. They went out and got a transfer in Joseph Chartnoy, who I think will really be able to help them on that end of the floor. Was high ranking in in steals total last year. I think he's really going to be able to help them on the defensive end. And then my freshman of the year is 
Villanova's Javon Quinterly. There's obviously a couple different ways you could go, whether it be a Joey Hauser or a Brendan Bailey or, or some of the other kids at Villanova or kids at Providence like David Duke or A.J. Reeves. Uh, but I'm going to go with Javon Quinterly. His feel for the game is so impressive. Uh, there's obviously big shoes to fill. But I think he is up for the challenge, and I think this is a guy that's going to step in and have a really good year for Villanova. And the truth is, if Villanova is going to reach their potential and be as good as they can be, they're going to need Javon Quinter to step up. Uh, and I just like how dynamic he is and, and versatile he is and his ability to distribute uh, and score and break guys down off the bounce. Uh, Javon Quinterly is my pick for preseason freshman of the year. Before I let you guys go, I want to make sure that you are subscribed and supporting the Sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. The best way to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Those things are extremely helpful. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. My handle is at Evan Daniels. As always, have a great week and thanks for listening.